Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. One of the hardest things to do is when you're talking with someone that really wants to find out who God is, they stop and they say to you, you know, I want to believe, but it's a really hard thing to hear, but it's a very real thing that some of you have experienced in your life. I'd go to church, but I'd follow God, but. And you have a lot of different reasons why things would happen. And so, I don't know about you, but for me, it it breaks my heart when people have so many reasons to not believe or trust God. You know, this is not something that that is exclusively for those who don't believe. There are people in this room right now, you have been a long-time believer. You've known God a long time, and you still have those moments where you're like, God, I don't get this. I don't get it. And that's okay. I want to tell you, as your pastor, I want to tell you, that's okay that you don't get it. That just means you're not perfect. And none of us are. None of us. And so when you deal with these things, it's, a, it's about dealing with them in a healthy manner. It's about saying, God, I don't get why that person who loved their child got into a car accident and lost their child. And someone who doesn't even love their child, they've gone through, you know, they've grown up to be happy and healthy and rich. And it doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. And we can scratch our head and go, you know, that right there tells me that they can't be a God. And I, and I, would, I would lend this thought to you for a moment. That doesn't tell us that there is no God. That tells us there's a God who loves us enough to give us free will to do some things that we would want to do ourselves and not have to feel like we have to fall in line with God. And God says, listen, you can choose to walk the way you want to walk. God loves us enough to allow us to do that. But there's a, there's a way that seems right to a man. But at the end, there's destruction. But if we decide to say, I want to believe, but God help me, like the, like the father in the New Testament that said, I believe, just help my unbelief. And I think we've all been there. And so we've been in this series that has been absolutely, to me, has been releasing, uh, uh, I think, a lot of people from feeling guilt about Little doubt moments, doubtful moments. And just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're not going to have doubtful moments. You're going to have doubtful moments. But you got to embrace them in the proper context. Some people use doubtful moments and they decide, you know what, I'm not going to go to church today. You know what, I'm not going to read the Bible. As if somehow that's punishing God for you experiencing what you're experiencing. That somehow God is... Uh, you know, he's in heaven like, oh, man, they're not going to praise me today. What am I going to do? They're not going to love me. What am I to do? I'm not God anymore. 
That's not the case, my friend. In fact, we look at it like this. God says, God sees us in our pain, and he says, I know you're going through pain. Just come closer so you can hear my heart, so you can get through this better. So you can get through this in a way that would, that would make you stronger at the end. And so instead of running away from God, those who really have troubles and struggles would run toward God. And there's not a person in this room, not a person listening to me right now that hasn't been through struggles where they said, you know what, God, I don't get it. I just feel like walking away from this whole thing. Yeah? But for some reason you didn't and you're here. And I'm really glad you are. I hope that in some way you've taken that circumstance and you've been able to say, you know what, God is faithful and I'm called to walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And we realize that when, despite my unstable seasons of doubt that life would often bring me, we're called to trust God in those times of tribulation. See, God's faithfulness remains consistent and steadfast. He is consistent if he's anything. And so this morning, as we hit the final part of this series, and I hate even saying it, sometimes I really dread ending a series because I feel like we've been on this train together for several weeks. And, uh, and this train of thought of, I want to believe, but, right? And so the last few weeks, we've been looking at the different things. I want to believe, but, you know, why is it? that this happens, and why is it that that happens, and why does it feel like, you know, we, we look at uh, week one, we talked about, I want to believe, but it doesn't seem like God listens to me. <laughs> We've been there, all right? And the second week, we looked at it, I want to believe, but why are there so many rules? So many rules, I got to follow this rule and that rule. I think the biggest rule you need to follow is love God and love people. And then, the, uh, and then last week we talked about, I, I want to believe, but I can't always feel God. And so we deal with that element. I can't always feel God. And this morning, I want to talk about, I want to believe, but what do we do when God doesn't seem fair? When God doesn't seem fair. See, when things don't go according to our plans, we become frantic. But here's the good news. When we're frantic, God is still faithful. When we're walking in chaos, God is still Christ. He's still Messiah. He's still King. I know you want to believe, but life isn't always fair. And I would give you that. I concede that. Life isn't always fair. Some people are born in better environments. Some people have better genetics. Some people are in the right place at the right time. Some people are trying, you know, but, but we have to continue to press on and say, God, I know you love me and I know you want to change my life and I know you want to use me. And all of the things that happen around me, oftentimes, if we could really look at it through brass tacks and realize none of that is relevant, God is still faithful. All that matters is that God sees you just as you are and he accepts you just as you are. That doesn't mean he's going to keep you there. Let me make, let me make this really clear. Because not, we're not a progressive church that starts to say, you know what, God accepts you right where you are and you never have to change. Friends, that's a dangerous church. If you ever go to a church and they tell you you don't have to change, stand up and walk out immediately. 
immediately because God is always working in and through us. Hello? Some people don't want to hear that. Some people don't want to hear that God is, God is changing us. But unless God changes us, how can we reach the purposes he has for us? How can we attain the purpose of the most high God unless we change? So I'm telling you, God accepts you just as you are, but he's not going to leave you there. He loves you too much to leave you there. Is that right? So our goal moving forward is to understand a few things this morning. And so I have five thoughts I want to share with you really quickly. You say, that's a lot of thoughts, but I'm jumping into it. Because I got a lot of thoughts in this very taco-filled brain sometimes. According to that video, that was disturbing. It's a true story. Number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. God has a purpose in your pain. And some of us go, God doesn't want us to experience pain. You read something that was way off, my friend. God doesn't say you won't have pain. God says he'll give you purpose in the pain. And so how do we know this? Well, let's look at 1 Peter together. Can we do that? Let's look at 1 Peter because 1 Peter spells it out really simply for us. And here's what it looks like. There is a wonderful joy ahead. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you may endure many trials. How many don't like the word many in that verse? Like if you could white out one word in that verse... Probably many would be a good one, right? Like, let's just wipe out many. Just, uh, give me trials, but don't give me many trials. Right? You ever been not so hungry? You're like, give me some, but not too much. Right? Listen, I had a Hispanic grandma that she would, I would tell her, uh, un poquito, let's just give me a little bit. And she would go, okay. And she'll go, she'll go scoop. And then she'd be like, is that good? I'd be like, that's perfect. And she'd be like, honk, pah. There you go. Go ahead, hijo. She'll say, take it. And I'm like, Grandma, I just said I was done. You just piled on a whole nother bunch there. What's going on here? Oh, you're fine. You're skinny. You'll be great. She told me that my whole life. You're skinny. You'll be fine. Okay, Grandma. You know, sometimes we think, I, I want, I, I can endure some trials, God, but not too many. Not too many. Verse 7, these trials will show that your faith is what? Genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through, excuse me, though your faith is far precious, more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when? When Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Did you know there's a world out there that doesn't believe that Jesus is coming back? There's a world out there. Yes, I know. There's a world that believes that, that there's even a world, a bunch of people out there that don't believe that Jesus existed. Even though the history books even tell us. Like, matter of fact. Right? And so, there is a day that Jesus will be revealed for who he is. Everyone look at me for a moment. I need you to understand this. When they see him for who he is. They will see him in all his glory, and they will go, why didn't I believe? Why didn't I believe? I believed when I was a kiddo. 
I believe when I was a junior hire, well, now junior hires are like this big. Now, I don't know what's in the water, but I believe when I was in high school, I believe... I believe once upon a time, but today something happened in my life and, or one day something happened in my life and I wanted to believe, but, and then you walked away from the faith and then Jesus Christ is revealed and you're going, oh my goodness, I missed it. Friend, that is one you don't want to regret. And he will be revealed one day. Let me tell you something. God has purpose in your pain. There's a reason for that. That doesn't mean that he has caused it, but he has caused purpose to come from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You need to understand this. Just because he didn't cause the issue to happen doesn't mean he can't bring purpose out of it. And some of you have been through serious trials and you haven't won the purpose side of it because you've decided that it's all you, not the grace of God. And one day you'll see it wasn't you. It was the grace of God. See, God doesn't always cause the pain, but God always uses it. You need to understand that. God doesn't always cause the pain. Sometimes God does does cause us to have a consequence because the loving father does. Let me make that real clear. But there are times that God does punish his children because that's the way he is. He is a loving father and he will will correct us. He will rebuke us. He will push us in the right direction. But there are times that he didn't do it. And from the youngest in this room to the oldest, you need to hear this. There are times that God allows pain in your life. And there are times that God does it, and there are times that he doesn't. But I guarantee you one thing for sure. Look at me. He will always use it as you submit it to the feet of Jesus. He will always use it. How many are grateful that, you know what, I don't go through a trial empty-handed. I come out the trial at the other end stronger than I came in. That's the goal. The goal has never been just to go through pain just for mere pain. But pain so that we can be better at the end. This is called redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering. He allows us to suffer for a, for, for a window of time so that we can then be redeemed and understand what things either need to be corrected in our life or how he could use those things through us. Why did Satan get cast out of heaven? He got cast out of heaven because God wanted to use music through him, but Satan wanted it for him. He didn't allow himself to be a vessel, and that was what caused him to be prideful and cast from heaven. Are you following me? So when you stop allowing God to use you and go through you, we now put ourselves in a position where we become prideful, and that, my friend, is a deadly, deadly sin. So I believe that there's suffering that we have to go through at times, and I don't like it just as much as you do, but I believe in the other side of it that there's such thing as redemptive suffering, that God will take that and go, I can use this for not just to strengthen you, not just to encourage others, but to bring glory to me so that I can then bless the people so they can know who I am. Who's with me? Number two, God is present in your pain. He's present in your pain. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He's ever-present. You know what that means? Always there. He's always there. He's present 
in your pain. We want to give God what we want, and God is telling us, show us what you want. Let me say it like this. We want God to give us what we want. Yes? That's just, that's the natural side of us. God wants to show us he is what we need. We want to tell him, God, this is what I want, and I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I want that. He wants to show us, I'm all you need. If you just see me, I will provide all that you need in your life. He doesn't guarantee that you'll get everything you want. But he will guarantee, as your father, that you will get everything you need. Because that's the provision of the God we serve. We look at Paul. For instance, how do I justify this? Well, we look at Paul. Paul and the thorn on his side. We look at that, and he prayed. He suffered, suffered with this thorn on his side, right? Not sure. The Bible scholars all have different ideas of what they think it was. I'm not going to go into it. Honestly, for the sake of this message, it really doesn't matter because suffering is suffering. Pain is pain, right? Someone was uh, recorded one time saying, I don't like pain because it hurts. Pretty simple, right? I don't like pain because it hurts. But let me make this really clear. He prayed three times, and what did God say to him? My grace is sufficient for you. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. So you can ask for power, or you can ask for grace. Grace is double power. Because it doesn't just give you strength for now, it gives you strength for later. And so when we look at, uh, we say, you know what, I want to walk in power. You know what you really need? You really need to walk in grace. Because grace is that double power where he doesn't just give you the strength for now, he gives you strength for later. And so he says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, when you're at your weakest point, God can be made the strongest. And that is a wonderful promise, amen? That his, his power is made perfect in our weakness. So us, we say this. We say, this is what I need. God says, no, I'm what you need. I'm what you need. Second Corinthians 12 says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. So what is Paul saying to the church at Corinth here? He's saying, I'm going to boast, but I'm going to boast about his power, not mine. Because when I boast about his power, his power rests on me. And I'm able to be more than I could ever be by myself. And so he goes on to say, that is why, verse 10, chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulty. For when I am weak, I am strong. What is he saying? The pain's going to come. The trials are going to come. You can't stop them. Everybody understand that? Raise your hand if you understand what I'm telling you. Pain will come. Trials will come. Raise your hand if you get it. You get it? Okay, so it's coming. 
Whether you like it or not, it's coming. But here's what we can do. We can embrace it and say, you know what? I don't embrace the pain, but I embrace the power that comes from the pain. So I'm not going to sit around going, yay, pain. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nobody does that in their right mind. Right? If you do that, God bless you. You're a wonderful person. And then you're going to get a lot of blessings real soon. But most of us don't sit around going, yay, pain. But listen, it's coming. So I don't know about you, but I would, I would like to have a life vest if I know the flood of water is coming. I would like to be at a high place if I know it's coming. So prepare yourself in this idea that, you know what, God is present in my pain. And so it's not about if, but when pain comes, how do we handle that? So we look at the fair, God, it's not fair that they, I have to go through pain and they don't. Listen, everybody has to go through pain. And I'm going to talk about fairness versus being just in God's sovereignty in just a moment. But many ask, why do bad things happen to good people? And then some ask, why do good things happen to bad people? That's true too, right? That's almost equally disturbing for some of us. Sure, God is not always fair. But he's just. I'm glad because he was not fair to me. I'm glad. Here's why. I'm not getting what I deserve. Because he sent his son, I'm really glad he's not fair. Because if he was fair, I would get a whole lot more pain, struggle, and condemnation than I'm getting right now. As a believer, because of what Christ did on the cross, I can walk free, free from condemnation, free from sin, free from the consequences of the law. I am set free in the grace of God. How many are grateful for that? Psalm 103 tells us this real simple. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I don't get what I deserve. Thank God for Jesus. Number three, God is no respecter of persons. Is that true? Let me tell you why it's true. Colossians 3.25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. In other words, God is not respecting someone because of their background or their economic situation or their color. God looks at the heart of man, and he's not looking at anything external that we look at. Before we look at how God is not fair, we need to be clear one thing throughout Scripture. It does not matter our race, our background, our wealth, and our social status. God looks at the sin. How many know that's true? Because heaven's going to be filled with all kinds of colors and all kinds of people. I know some people want to say one thing or the other. Let me tell you something. Heaven's going to be a multifaceted color palette like you've never seen before. I'm talking about a, a real broad color palette. How many ever got those? Big pack of crayons that have every single color um, known to man. 
You ever got one of those? And then you can find any color you want. Heaven's going to look like that. Heaven's going to look like that because God is not showing uh, by, by way of our background or whatever. He's looking at the heart of man, and he's no respecter. So when we, when we talk about fairness, we can't talk about uh, the fact that somehow God respects whites or blacks or Hispanics or, or Asians or uh, whatever. He doesn't look at that. He doesn't look at that. What he's looking at is where we stand by way of his son. Amen? Then why is Sunday the most segregated day of the week sometimes? Because we are comfortable in our own realm. Instead of looking at the spiritual realm, there are people, people God cares about. People. Not color or background. He's looking and he says, I'm no respecter of persons. That's a good lead to go through, right? That's a good follow right there. Follow God and don't respect people because of just of this, that. Let's look at the character of the individual and what, God, what that person means to God instead of what they can give us. Because the world operates that way. The world says, I deem you important by what you can do for me. If that client can bring me a lots of business, guess who's going to be wined and dined? Right? That person is going to be brought to the table any chance you get. And you know what? I get the business side of it or whatever. That's fine. But when it comes to heaven, God is no respecter of persons. He's looking at people's heart in their lives as it is. Peter began to speak. Now, truly, I understand, Acts 10.34, that God doesn't show favoritism. Do you see how God was rebuking Peter there? Because God sent Peter to go to a man's house, and he's like, that's not the kind of house I go to. And God says, you do now. You do now. Go. Go to the household and tell them what I need to tell them, and I will direct you there. What happens if we told God, I will go to everyone else but this person? How many know that guy's going to be like, really? Simon says, (laughs) now you got to go. That's it. And so we we come to this place where he he saves those who call upon him, no matter what their situation is, yes? Number four, God does not punish us as we deserve. Raise your hand if you're grateful for that. Look at the Pentecostals all over this place. Unbelievable. God does not punish us as we deserve. The second we're tempted to wish that God were fair, we must remember that he he truly was fair, but would all be in hell right now because that's what's fair. That's what we deserve. But I'm really glad that he's not fair. But he is just. If you call upon the name of the Lord, he says, you will be saved. And they that put their faith and trust in the Lord, look at me, will never be put to shame. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And watch this, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Everything, 1 John 1, 9. And we see that as a promise from God that he does not give us what we deserve. That's what we deserve, my friends, hell. Hell is what we deserve, and we're not getting it. Why? Because he's just, not because he's fair. I thought I'd get more amens on that. Do I have to preach louder? Or God does not punish us as we deserve. Thank God for that. 
When we fail in our Christian walk, watch this, because we will. He does not rain down judgment, but lovingly corrects us and says, get out of that train and get in the right one. Come on. Get in it. You can do this. And sometimes he nudges you with a friend of yours or nudges you with a situation. And I'll tell you what. Keep this in mind when you're being corrected by someone that's close to you or told that you're doing something a little bit off or you sure you want to do that or because we could get real defensive in this faith. Well, I've been a believer a long time. Nobody has a right to tell me. Yes, we all do. Believers have the right to help other believers get closer to Christ. Every one of us. Every one of us. There's none exempt. Not even myself. If someone comes up to me and says, brother, this was wrong. You hurt me here. You hurt me there. I got to look at myself and go, what did I do wrong here? How could I? How could I? First of all, I'm sorry. Don't make excuses. Apologize if you know you did wrong. You could explain yourself and maybe bring clarification. But you repent. And you say, I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, sister. And then, then the thing is, you go to the Lord, you say, God, I hurt somebody. How can I be better about this? How many know that that's maturity? That's mature Christian faith. See, it does, you don't have to be in the Lord a long time. You just have to know that the Lord has forgiven you for so much more than this person has to forgive you for, or you have to forgive somebody else for. See, the account is so uneven. God has forgiven you so much more than you have to forgive others that you should be able to go, you know what? I don't like how they treated me. I hate that I feel the pain I did, and I'm, just, I'm still beside myself, but I have to forgive because I know Christ forgave me first. That doesn't mean it's easy, but that is right. That's the biblical model for all of us to follow. And fifth and final one is simply this. God gives us more blessings than we deserve. <laughs> I love how I'm ending this on a positive note. You ready? Because there's so much more blessings that I have in my life than I deserve. See, we're incredibly blessed as a people. We have, we have so much information. Listen, even through this recession, even through this difficult time, yes, we're going through a recession. Even though we go through some of these things, right? We go through all these times and struggles and financially things, everything's up. Gas is up. Air is up, for crying out loud. Like, everything's up. It costs me more to breathe. Come on, somebody. Oxygen, I'll forget it. I understand that, but guess what? Even with all the things that are out of control around us, guess what? We are still blessed as a nation to be able to do some of the things that we're still able to do. That doesn't mean we don't fight for what we believe in. In fact, I go the other route. Fight for what you believe in. All right? Fight for what you know is true. Fight for what you know is right and in the, the sight of God, not in your own sight. Because if you, if you don't, look at me. Hey, in the back. Listen to me. I'm telling you right now that if you don't fight for what God seems is worth fighting for, there'll come a point in your life where there's nothing to fight. God has blessed us, but in order to move forward, we have to realize that there is umpteen blessings that continue to come our way, and we need to recognize that.
Amen? We are incredibly blessed, and we don't deserve those blessings. But as we uh, had already discussed throughout these last few weeks, we, we could have a lot of reasons why we don't trust God. We could have a lot of reasons, but God gives us his blessings anyhow. And he says, just trust me, come to me, and I'll give you rest. While it's easy to focus on all the things that are wrong in our lives, I want you to do, I want you to do something for a moment. I need everyone to look at me for a moment. Everyone, from the youngest to the oldest in this room, eyes on me right here. Every one of us. I want you to stop for a moment. Just stop. And think about God's goodness. And we got to realize how truly, truly blessed we are. God has opened up heaven and blessed us in many ways. More than we ever deserve. So I want us to understand something here. That even though we have found ourselves in predicaments that are beyond anything that anyone could understand in this room. Some of you have been through things in your life that's beyond anything anyone else could understand. But the glory that God receives when we say, I've been through stuff. Now, God, no matter what I go through, I'm going to turn my eyes towards you. Do you know how much praise and honor that gives God? I need you to realize this, that the amount of praise that God receives and the glory he receives when we could have went the other way, but we said, Lord, I could have gone that way, but you've been too good to me. And like that prodigal son that comes home and says, listen, even if I have to work the rest of my life for my father, it is better to be with the father than anywhere else in the world. That's why we look at the psalmist that said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. Why? Because you're close to the Father. And so here's my urge to you today. I urge you, brethren, in the view of God and in the view of his mercies, that you would give yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Look at me as an acceptable act of worship, Romans chapter 12. To give your lives as an offering unto him and say, God, I have a lot of reasons to run the other way, but you're the, you're the one reason I want to run to you because I never would have got these blessings from anybody else but you. So if you're grateful this morning, like I am, if you're, if you're saying, you know what, I'm so appreciative of God's goodness in my life, like I am, then maybe, just maybe, in my life, I come to a place where I say, God, all these things in this world has its place. My place is with you. Amen? My place is with you. I could, I could go this way and I could go that way. But I need to stop for a moment and just recognize you are good to me. And that will, that will process the fair versus unfair. Because when I talk about how God isn't fair, because that person gets this and that person gets that and I don't. Can I tell you something? I think your focus is the wrong place. I think you need to look right here 
in your life and see what God has done for you. That's the only thing you're responsible for. That's the only thing you're responsible for. Listen, God could bless that person and that person. That can bless. You can bless Jennifer over here and, and Billy over there. And, and you know what? That doesn't change what God did with me. You follow? And so I could look at them and go, you all blessed. But then what about me? I'm responsible for me. So when I stand before God one day, he's not going to ask me about Jennifer or Billy. He's going to ask me about me. And I can say with all my heart, I'm grateful and your goodness will travel with me all the days of my life. If I never am blessed another day, your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days. That's where that verse comes from, where your goodness and mercy will follow me. You know why? Because I continuously remember them. They follow me because every day of my life I realize I am not who I am because of me. I am who I am because of him. You with me? Come on, let's bow our heads all across this room. If you're online, bow your heads with me. And I want to talk about this for a moment as we pray. Father, I want to talk about one thing. It's your goodness. Your goodness will follow me all the days of my life because you are good and your mercy endures forever. You are good and your mercies follow me. Father, I pray today for every person is listening to me right now that feels like life hasn't been fair for them I ask you right now bless them encourage them and let them know that while things don't seem fair you're always just you're always sovereign you're all powerful and you see the big picture and while we look at it we go that's not fair we often don't define fairness the right way because what doesn't seem fair now Six months from now, God, we see you spared us from a lot of pain. So, God, our limited scope causes us to cause to say a lot of things and call a lot of things unfair because we're limited in our scope, in our sight, in our vision. And you, my God, are limitless. So today, we sovereignly accept your sovereignty without a doubt we trust you with all of our heart soul mind and strength we pray in Jesus name and all of God's people said amen my prayer to you this morning is may you go with the grace of God in your life understanding that his mercies will follow you wherever you go throughout the week God bless you and God keep you in it